Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Breaking up with a parent of your child is never an easy thing to do, but it's so much harder if it's not an amicable split. It's particularly difficult if your partner is manipulative and emotionally abusive. Dr. Stephanie Sarkis knows all about this situation. She's a counsellor and author of Gaslighting, How to Recognise Manipulative and Emotionally Abusive People and Break Free. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Look, I know your book covers gaslighting in all kinds of different situations, um, but I would like to focus on separation. I feel like it's particularly relevant to parents um, because it can get very tricky when you're separating. Um, to start at the very beginning, though, how do you define gaslighting? Gaslighting is a series of manipulative behaviors, and the goal is to make you feel off kilter and make you question your reality and rely even more on the gaslighter for their version of what's real. And it comes from an old film, doesn't it? Like it came into our vernacular because of a film. Is that right? Yes, yes. In the 1940s, a film, Ingrid Bergman, called Gaslight, uh, the husband tried to make her feel like she was going crazy, and one of the things he would do is to turn up the gaslight and turn them down. So the light was changing. And she would say, you're changing the lights. And he would say, no, I'm not. No, I think you, you have something wrong with you. And that's where the, all the gaslighting, the term became uh, synonymous with manipulation. Mm. And you, you've been a counselor for many years. How common is gaslighting in marriages if one partner wants to leave? I think it's more common than we generally think. Um, it is a form of emotional abuse, and I think we're starting to recognize it as a form of abuse now. Uh, that someone, especially when someone tries to leave, the gaslighter will really increase their inappropriate behaviors, their abusive behaviors to get the person to try and stay. Is it, um, in, in, on the flip side of that, would you also term it gaslighting if somebody um, kept saying horrible things to their partner, being unkind, and saying that they were going to leave and then just waiting until the other, like trying to push the other one out. Does that make sense? So if you've got two people, mm-hmm. I've heard of a, heard of situations where um, all of a sudden their personality seems to change and they keep being horrible and you're thinking, well, what, what's, what's happening? And they're like, there's nothing wrong. You're just being irritable or whatever. Um, and they're trying right. to get the other person to leave because they don't have the courage to leave themselves. Right, or they or they want the, the domicile, they want the house or the apartment to live in. So I've seen that too, where one person wanted to have kind of custody of the house, so to speak. So they would try to push the other person out by making them feel like they were crazy. Mm. So, um, and that is, that's about control and power. Are people aware they're doing it? Sometimes they're aware that they're doing it, sometimes that they aren't. So... Sometimes people do it on purpose. They want to try to alienate the children from you, or they want to make you uh, dependent on them. Other people may have learned this behavior as a result of their parents being gaslighters. So they learn that this is how you communicate within a relationship, and it, it really hurts both people. So when someone realizes that they have gaslighting behaviors, it's much more likely that they're going to be able to recover from them because they're more likely to go for help. 
But if you're doing this on purpose, you feel like you're in the right and everyone else is in the wrong. So it's very hard for people to get help when, the, when that's the case. But either way, people are still 100% responsible for their best behavior at all times. So uh, how can you, let's just get down to the very practical um, matters. If you're in a relationship and you suspect your partner might be gaslighting you, how can you tell when it's just the two of you in the home and then small children who, you know, you don't want to involve anyway? Sure. Well, and, and the end stage is it may be that your partner, uh, the parent of your children, is telling them to call you by your first name even. Um, the, that's how the point it gets to. But the early stages you'll see are hiding your things and telling you that you're irresponsible, that you keep losing things. They'll hide things of particular value to you, like, like a wedding ring, and tell you that don't you respect our relationship, you keep losing that ring when they're in fact hiding it. Uh, you also have... Uh, them possibly pitting the kids against you, them being the good parent all the time, and you're being painted as the bad parent. And this is different than having different ideas about parenting. This is this is directly telling the kids you don't need to listen to your mom or you don't need to listen to your dad. It's also constant lying, even about things that someone doesn't really even need to lie about. It's also accusing you of cheating when there's really no reason to accuse you of that when, in fact, it turns out that the gaslighter has a real problem with cheating. So when you say they've got a real po- problem with cheating, that um, they the ones they're cheating, right? Okay, and um, does that that all sounds really manipulative? Particularly the hiding of items um, that that definitely speaks to a kind of devious motivation. There, does that kind of manipulation make it harder? for partners to leave another partner? Like if, if the, the very definition of gaslighting is that you question your own reality. So you might be questioning, am I the one that's at fault? So maybe I shouldn't leave. Does it make it harder to step away? Oh, absolutely. It makes it much harder to step away, especially when the gaslighter has tried to convince you that there's something wrong with you or that you're not to be trusted or that you can't live independently. You start believing that. and It's really hard to leave. And then when there are kids involved, that brings in a whole other aspect to it, too, that you have a co-parent that is not healthy. So what, what do you do then? So it makes it very difficult to leave uh, when you're faced with living with a gaslighter. Is it ever... Uh, appropriate or helpful to try and get help for that person while you're still there? Like you you mentioned, if they're able to recognize they have gaslighting behaviors, that they might be able to get help as opposed to the one who thinks they're always in the right. Um, Is there a way you can navigate that while you're still there? I think if you mentioned going to a couple's counseling and you see what your partner's reaction is, I think that tells you a lot. If your partner's reaction is, well, the only reason why we know go to counseling is to fix you, then you know that there's probably not a chance that person might might stop their behavior. But if they say, you know, I thought about it and I, I really need some help, then I think there's a chance. So uh, if you, your partner doesn't want to go to counseling, I would recommend that you go yourself to counseling to at least figure out you know, how to uh, maneuver in the situation and what to do if you're considering leaving. And I imagine a counsellor can give you that perspective of what is normal if you, you're questioning what's normal. Right. It's a neutral person to talk to. That person does not pick sides. And I think that's really helpful when you're talking about something where someone has told you that everyone thinks you're crazy 
and you start believing that. And then when you go to a counselor, you realize that you're not, that you just need to talk to somebody about what's going on because some of the stuff is really hard to believe for other people because it gets so crazy. And I imagine, I know that um, you say in your book that both men and women can be gaslighters, but when I hear you talking about that idea of being crazy, it sounds to me that um, a lot of women I speak to, if they're in a kind of manipulative situation, their partner often will tell them they're being emotional, hysterical, out of control. Are those just other words for crazy? Yeah, and also they'll accuse them of being too sensitive. So if the person picks on them, if the person criticizes them, and you, in a healthy way, say, hey, that really hurt me when you said that, the gaslighter will say, well, you're just being too sensitive. If, if you could just toughen up, you know, everyone else can handle it when I joke with them. How come you can't? But these aren't jokes. You really have to listen to the criticism that's underneath them. Uh, because even if someone's joking and still has a biting tone to it, if they're really not joking with you. They're, it's criticism cloaked as humor. Now, it sounds like a lot of um, what you're talking about in terms of, you know, thinking they're always right or um, joking about things like, um, and it being a little bit of a put down, sounds like those sorts of things can happen in a normal relationship. And I think you mentioned there that listening to the tone of how it's being said is a good sign as to whether it's just low-level friction or whether it's actual manipulative behavior. Would that be right, that listening to tone is part of that? Correct. And also, if you confront your partner and you say, hey, I really don't like the way you talk to me, that hurt, and that person either says, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to hurt you, or hey, let's talk about it, that's a healthy way to respond. An unhealthy way is to get mad at you for getting mad at them. And that's what gaslighters do. Gaslighters will say, well, how dare you confront me about something that I did? And that's the difference. In a healthy relationship where you just have poor communication once in a while, at least both partners are willing to sit down and talk about it in a, in a fair and mature way. And I imagine that part of that, if you're on the, um, re- the end of a gaslighter, if you're on the receiving end of a gaslighter, part of that is just learning good, straight communication skills so that you can cut through it. Would that be right? Right. Well, you can practice good communication skills and a gaslighter, again, will find a way to twist that. But it's important that you continue to practice good communication because that's the healthy, mature thing to do. What's a collaborative divorce and why is that a good option if you're separating from a gaslighter? A collaborative divorce is where you have everyone in a room at one time. So you have you and your co-partner that you're divorcing. You have both your attorneys. You have a financial representative and also a counselor that is a lead of the group. So what they do is they help you go through divorce in a healthier way, especially when there's kids involved. We have to talk about time sharing and custody. And the counselor makes things that things make sure that things go smoothly. And I think that's a great benefit, especially when there may be one or both partners that have some manipulative tendencies. The counselor is pretty able to pick up on that and to move things along so that does not occur uh, when you are uh, talking about things like the house and your kids and who's going to spend time with who, because it's a very emotional process. So it really helps when you have that neutral third party leading that conversation. In your book, you outline some steps 
um, on how to set up a good co-parenting plan. It was very clear and very thorough. Um, can you take us through how you came up with that plan and why it's important to have one that is that particular? Sure. The way I came up with that plan is I'm a, a Florida Supreme Court certified mediator with family cases. And I saw several family cases where you had uh, one or both partners that had manipulative tendencies or narcissistic tendencies. So I found that when you had a very structured setting of how to set up time sharing, if you had a very detailed plan going into this, gaslighters tend to not respect boundaries. So if the boundary is that we're supposed to exchange the child at 6 p.m. Uh, at, at grandparents' house, and that person calls and says, no, I'm going to be there at 7. Well, now you have something from the court saying exactly when that, that the child is supposed to be there. And also it even details how late you can be before you can go home. So if the parent says, well, I want you to wait two hours for me to show up, the court document may say, no, you, you can wait 30 minutes and that's it. And that really helps a lot of people because sometimes the gaslighter will try to manipulate you by making you frustrated because what they want is they want you to get angry with them, and then they use that as ammunition. So if you go back to court, they'll say, well, I exchanged, and she was really angry with me. It was yelling at me. And, and you may say, well, it's because I waited two hours. And, and again, you know, when you have a set plan that's very detailed, you can always fall back to that and say, nope, here's what the judge signed off on. And I think that's really important, especially working with people that have really poor boundaries like gaslighters. And what do you do if a gaslighter uses your children against you? Because I can imagine that must happen um, in terms of, you know, saying they're going to take them away on a holiday and not giving you any notice mm-hmm. and, and, and playing with you because parents love their children and they want to be with them. Right. Uh, if it's a gross violation of it, let's say they're taking the children out of the country, uh, then you would want to seek uh, legal counsel, seek an attorney's opinion, especially if you have a parenting plan that says that this is not to happen. Uh, also, uh, you can uh, meet with the person, the gaslighter, and talk with them about, here's the parameters, and here's what I've seen, and this is what's happening, and we need to stop doing that. You can also use a parent coordinator, and those are people that are specially trained in helping people that are in relationships with gaslighters or in co-parenting relationships, and you talk through the the parenting coordinator. And that way the messages don't get confused, and the parent coordinator is usually a mental health professional, and they will help everyone keep things on a, a healthier format, kind of a healthier way of communicating. And the parent coordinator will... Uh, repeat things like you're not supposed to have your your uh, your new girlfriend or boyfriend called mom or dad to the child. Yeah, the parents only supposed to be called mom and dad, and the parent coordinator will reinforce that. And I think that's really important to have a parent coordinator that again is a is a neutral third party that will keep things going on a smooth path. Uh, and I also imagine for parents that their biggest fear is that their children are going to be hurt in this process, mm-hmm. particularly if they're spending time alone with the other parent who is a gaslighter. Your natural fear would be that, well, what if they do that to the children? How can you deal with that? Right. And you want to document. So it's, there's a difference between asking your kid how their visit was with their parents and then 
questioning them. You don't want to question them. You want to just ask them how their weekend went. Now, if they volunteer to you, hey, I, I don't like the way that this happened or that happened, document it. And, again, you may need to go to the parent coordinator. You may need to go to an attorney about that. You also want to make sure that you never speak badly about the other parent in front of your children because children will transmit those messages or they may be asked by the gaslighting parent to get messages or to check in or spy on you. And the kids are in this really tough position because they have one parent telling them, well, I want you to check and see what mom's doing. And at the same time, you know, they want to be loyal to both parents. So it's very difficult. So you really need to document when you find out that kids are uh, you know, carrying messages back and forth that's that's not supposed to happen uh, if you notice the kids are trying to collect information for the other parent and again understand that kids are really torn they love both their parents equally even if one of the parents is behaving badly and again it's really important to document that and also consider having your children go to a, a counselor uh, that really helps especially when one of the parents is highly manipulative there is so much in your book that I think would help parents in this situation. Stephanie, thanks so much for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. That's Dr. Stephanie Sarkis. She's a counsellor and author of Gaslighting, How to Recognise Manipulative and Emotionally Abusive People and Break Free. Links to the book will be in the notes of this episode. We'll also have a little look to see what a parenting coordinator looks like in Australia and how you might be able to reach one. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.